Welcome to Diary of an Exvangelical, the podcast that looks at evangelical Christianity and says, what the what? I'm Marie, and as always, this podcast is not intended to be a slander piece. It is intended to educate and open channels. And for those of you that don't know my background, I usually begin that way, so here goes. I am a Roman Catholic. I was in the evangelical church for four years. I was actually exposed to the evangelical culture for many years. Large majority of the last 17 years of my life were that. And that was because my mother was independent Baptist and evangelical. And my father was Roman Catholic. I left the evangelical church and I went back to Catholicism because I can, and truth is, I haven't encountered a lot of this shit. So, the season I've been doing a whole thing on church trauma. And to start out, I am not a religious expert. I am not a preacher. I am somebody who has experienced church trauma. I am somebody who has friends who have experienced church trauma. So I base a lot of this on that and my own research. So with that said, this comes from the lovely group Reimagining Recovery and their whole thing with your favorite heterics where they talk about church trauma. And today is titled, Church Trauma Can Look Like Money and Finances. Yes, I'm going there. And I know money is the root of all evil, but let's go there. So, let's talk about what does this look like. Now, they have three bullet points. I want to add a fourth. So, the three that your favorite heterics of reimagining recovery said were sermons before or after on this after the sermon on tithing. Pastors exploiting the tithes for mansions and luxury cars while families in the church struggle. Telling God you will honor that I mean telling God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I said, this is a difficult subject. Telling you that God will honor your finances if you start giving more to the church. And here's the one I wanted to add. Seminars using methods from evangelical-based financial experts judging you and judging you for certain things you buy or have. So, tithing. Tithing is, it's called different things in in churches. I mean, some call it tithing, some call it donations, some call it offering. It's all the same thing. So this can be somebody coming up and talking about the importance of tithing. And I've heard this a few times before. There's actually in a lot of churches, they say 10% of your income. And I don't know if it's 10%, try to remember if it's 10% of So, 
here we go. Tithing is commonly understood as the giving of one-tenth of one's income for God. Now, this is actually from the United the United Methodist Church's website on tithing. And they they actually cited a passage, you know, they said several passages in scripture. They cited one from the book of Genesis. And I usually don't like to throw Bible verses willy-nilly, but I just wanted to kind of pull this up. It's chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. And it's basically the story of Jacob's dream at Bethel. And at one point in verse 20 through 22, he says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey. I am taking will I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. That's where they come up with that 10% thing. I don't know if it's weekly or weekly, monthly, annually. I don't know. Because every, everyone has a different thing. And, you know, there are different ones. I know several websites talk about Leviticus, Luke, Matthew, Acts. It's insane. And I am trying to look for this. And I cannot, 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 cannot find what 10% of what. But, you know, there's that, but a lot of, but I also know a lot of churches that'll be like, eh, if you put in a buck, you'll be fine. If you put in whatever you can, you'll be fine. So, so in an abusive situation, they are talking about the importance of it. And, you know, ideally they'll say stuff like, oh, it'll fund the church with keeping the lights on, keeping the building open, keeping heat in, yada, yada, yada. So, so yeah, tithing is always talked about as important. And also on that note, I should say that some churches, I actually saw this on a Baptist Facebook group I was, I was on years ago where they will have like a shame list of people who didn't give enough to that church. I remember years and years ago, my father told me this one, the Catholic church that he went to would have a thing where they would say, okay, so Joe Smith gave this much. Sue Johnson gave this much. Sometimes they would send things to your house saying, you didn't give much. So it's, so yeah, Catholics are not really exempt, but to be honest with you, these days, I rarely hear about this with Catholics. Now, also clergy looks at what a member has given and bases their value on that. Now I did, I did look into this and I may I have only heard one story of 
a clergy person outside of evangelical Christianity judging you on this. And that was a Catholic priest who has long since been deceased. He judged my sister for not giving much in the offering. And that was the only one with, with Catholicism that I have heard about or have seen. And like I said, the priest, of course, has long since passed away. He passed away well over a decade ago. So, yeah. But I have heard about this a lot in evangelical circles. I actually have heard of preachers who will look at it for everybody. Again, back to that one I told you about with the Baptist church that had the wall of shame. But also, like, if a member wants to do something more higher up in the church, like serve on a board, you know, the clergy will sometimes look at what did you give to the church, which to me is utter BS because it kind of equates leadership with what you can give monetarily when a lot of times if a member is wanting to do something like serve on a board or do something higher up, they're trying to do it on a volunteer basis. But yeah, I don't get that. And here's one that I will probably rant about for the next 10 minutes. Exploiting tithes. Exploiting tithes is basically this. Pastors live in nice homes, have nice cars. Clergy can also take money and go on like vacations. And they have like guest preachers that come in. They will probably say something like, oh, I'm going to go on a mission trip. Or, you know, maybe flat I'll say, fuck it, I'm going on vacation. And it'll be these extravagant vacations. And... You know, meanwhile, the families are struggling. They're putting, they're trying to put food on the table, keep the clothes on the backs, keep the lights on in their house, keep the rent up, keep the mortgage up. And they are still told, donate this money. And they are being, they are under the assumption that this money is going to go towards keeping the church operational or towards charities that the church may support. But instead the pastors are like, fuck it. We're, we're taking this money out of like out of the bank and going on vacation. We're going to go buy a Cadillac or a Lexus. We're going to get a really nice home somewhere. I actually knew a preacher who, who did this kind of stuff. I, well, I didn't know him personally, thank God, or else I would have screamed. But I'll tell you a story. I have a friend who went to a church, and the church was on a very large ground, and they had a little housing thing for, for the clergy. But a pastor came in, and he was like, fuck it, I ain't living there. 
you can let visiting missionaries live there for all I give a shit. I'm going to live in this nice house. And the nice house was a couple towns away in a pretty well-off community. This church was in a working class suburb. And this, you know, it was very blue collar. And this neighborhood that he chose to live in was, I'm going to say it was probably upper middle class to middle class, give or take. But that just shows you how they exploit the tithes because the same preacher would go on these extravagant vacations and, you know, just let missionaries who come in do the dirty work. And who paid for it? The people in the congregation. And meanwhile, the people in the congregation were struggling to make ends meet. Makes me wonder why they didn't go bankrupt. So give more to honor God. Oh boy, this is going to be a tough one. Told that God will answer your prayers if you give more. So basically, it's saying... You give money, God will listen. More money to the church means God will give you more money in return. I guess it's that whole give and it multiplies theory, which I do not understand. But also some could probably say a lot of different things. And there's also talks about cheerful giving. Like, we give cheerfully. And, like, especially in churches where they don't really use the offering envelopes. I know some Catholic churches do it. I know more evangelical churches will just have the money right there in front of you. Which is why I would much rather go to a Catholic church. Because I personally think what you give in that offering is between you and the man upstairs. But... Let's say you go to an evangelical church and they pass around the offering, which is usually like this really nice plate, really nice silver plate. And, you know, you see like, you see like tens and twenties and maybe a 50, depending on the person. And you're slipping a $1 bill in there. And, you know, it's like, People are like, well, you're not cheerfully giving. Um, and I'm like, um, I'm happy to be here. Here's my dollar. Let's move the plate along. And this one, it, it ticks me off. A friend told me a story about this. And basically, I'm going to give you the kind of the gist, if you will. No offering means you steal from God. So the story is, a friend of mine went to, went to a church and there was somebody who came up and did a talk about donating, about donating money, tithing, offering, whatever you want to call it. And they said, hey, if you don't slip money into here, and if you don't slip a substantial amount of money in here, you're basically stealing from God. How? 
How is that? Just because you walked in, sat your butt down in the pew, and listened to some guy? And most of the time in evangelical churches, it is a guy. Some guy with an education in theology or maybe even maybe even basket weaving. I don't know. But, you know, somebody standing there just talking about what is in the Bible. I don't see that as stealing. I see that more as... Hey, you went in, you heard this person, there was no admission fee, no tuition, and that's it. This is why I love the kind of churches that either do like the envelope thing, like the Catholic churches do, tell you, hey, you can donate online if you want. I actually know of a non-denominational church that they have a little box in the back of the church for the offering. They say you could slip it there or here's our website, donate online. And I love that because that right there is a way of saying, hey, this is between you and the man upstairs. And finally, this is the one that I added, which is the financial advisors and judging one. So what is the financial advisors and judging one? Well, first off, the reason why I thought about this is because there is a financial advisor named Dave Ramsey. And he has a thing called Financial Peace University. Now, Dave Ramsey you know, he seems like he has some logical ideas. However, I have looked into Mr. Ramsey's life and his, his um, teachings, if you will. And a lot of it is based on the Bible. He is an evangelical Christian. He has no qualms about that. More power to him. But personally, I don't like him. And his ideas. And he has a thing called Financial Peace University. And I first heard about this because of the evangelical church I was exposed to and was in for four years. And people swore by it. Basically, Ramsey uses a lot of the stuff he learned from Christianity and in the Bible to map out how one can be debt-free, can have a balanced checkbook, whatever the case may be. And, you know, some swear it works. Others don't. And others think he's a crackpot. But I personally don't see where using something like that will help when... There are other people that don't and are pretty successful. I mean, Susie Orman's a great example. I mean, she doesn't use religion as a backbone for her financial advice. That guy from Mad Money, I forgot his name now, but he's another good example. So that just shows you that 
again, it's insane. And plus, it's also kind of goes back to the argument of only using certain certain things because they kind of adhere to the Christian standards. And another one is when you ask for help, a member of the elder board critiques your own personal expenses. Like, let's say you have more than one vehicle. They might tell you, you should get rid of one. And truth is, you may have more than one vehicle because you have one for your job and one for your personal use. I mean, I know many people who have that. They will have like a car for like when they go out, say, to the grocery store and they will have a truck for when they go and do work because sometimes you don't want to get your personal vehicle dirtied but you have no problem getting another vehicle dirtied and like what you buy, which to me, it's like, okay, who cares what you buy? I'm like, if you, if you buy this and you get it at a good, at a good value, or you know where to get it, where it's cheaper, fine, fine. If you are subscribing to a streaming service streaming media service like Paramount Plus or Hulu to save money on cable TV fine have it your way i mean Hulu and Paramount Plus have basic plans which you know you're going to see a couple of ads i know cuz my Paramount Plus plan is like this but they're relatively cheap i mean the one i have is like 5 bucks a month or you can also some of them you could pay by the year, like Paramount Plus. You can pay like $50 a year and be done with it. So, yeah. Shut the fuck up. Look at, look at how they are trying to use that. And if they are using it as a way to save money or if it's a necessity. Okay? Okay. So what is the takeaway? Again, it goes back to this is control. This is how people control you. This is how they are like, okay, we want to control your checkbook. When the reality is the only person that should be controlling your checkbook is you. I always say this, the the only person that should be controlling anybody's checkbook is the person whose name is on the damn bank account. So, yeah, what I say is, you know, when it comes to offerings, donate what you can. I mean, a lot of times preachers will be appreciative of, you know, even if it's just a dollar, you know, they will be appreciative of it. And if you feel embarrassed, you know, see if they have like an online option. I mean, most, most churches these days, because of COVID, do have an online offering option. So, and I love that because that way you, 
you don't have to be like, do I have cash on me? Because who writes checks in 2022? So, yeah, that's good. I also love the idea of these envelopes. I know some argue that it's used as a form of attendance, if you will. But to me, it's just a way of people, when that plate is being passed around, they don't see what the other person is putting in and then feel like shit because they can't put that amount in. Also, the one thing I do love too, and y'all are going to think I'm nuts for it, is if you go to a Catholic church, you see this a lot. The offering baskets where it's on a stick. Why do I always think of Jeff Dunham when I say on a stick? Because right now I'm thinking Jose Jalapeno. If, you, if you're into Jeff Dunham, you know what I mean. And But these offering baskets are on a stick. And they're just kind of the guys, the guy or the woman, you know, whomever is the usher is has the basket and they kind of just slowly push it like maybe to like one point because there's an usher on the other side of of that aisle on the other aisle with the basket for the other side of that pew and I like that because first off you really can't see inside the basket and secondly it's not like you're passing the plate around like oh because even if you don't have anything to put in like let's say you offer online or if you're or if you don't have the cash on you that day you know if you're passing this plate over and you don't put anything in it's kind of awkward so yeah rethink that evangelicals please and that concludes our podcast for today and as always, it is written, produced, and uploaded by me. I am hosted by Anchor, Anchor.fm. You can get your own podcast. And by default, Anchor does put it on Spotify. But you can also be listed on several other podcast platforms. I am also listed on Google and Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at exvangelical267. And thank you so much and peace be with you.